1: Hey guys, this is Liz Candace. This is Nikki Collin. What up guys? This is F-Sarson. Hey, this is Emani Hey, this is Jordan Canada. This
0: is Asia
1: Wilson. Welcome to the WNBA Nation.
2: WNBA Nation and Allie Quigley's mom. Happy birthday, mom! Happy birthday, mom! Welcome to the semi-final edition of the show. We are through Games 1 of the WNBA semifinals. It was an absolutely scintillating night of great basketball. Very excited to share this discussion with each and every one of you. I'm Steve Schwartzman, flanked by my best friend in the universe, Kyle Haywood. Kyle, how are you? Oh, I'm so
1: good, dude. I am...
2: I am physically, emotionally,
1: and mentally drained after the last four plus hours of basketball, Is but I'm excited to, to talk feel? about them with you. Like if, if we come yeah. across a little down, it's not because the games were down. It was because like I'm, I'm legitimately tired. I was stressed. Like I'm usually live tweeting along with a lot of the games. Um, you know, from my account, from our show account, things like that. I just wasn't because I was just glued to the television for so much of it.
2: So, some good basket. Yeah, it was one of those nights of you just didn't want to look away. Like, you, you, it was all things great energy. I had so much fun, um, diving into things. It's crazy because I, at least one of the games is definitely like the final score doesn't necessarily, isn't indicative to what a night it was. Right. But, the second one, if you want to look at the score, I mean, I guess you can, but really the answer comes down to, um, like, I don't even know what I'm saying. It was just like, <laughs> oh yeah, double O, double O T. Uh, we do have, uh, one quickie to, to jump into here. Um, this is first of all, I, I, I wasn't planning on this, but I got to give a quick shout out because we, we got to to check her out during this first game. We're going to be covering before we hit news. I got to give a quick shout out to Holly Rowe. Um, you guys got to hear this itinerary. She attends Utah Jazz media day today, in what I imagine is Utah. Then I think it was in Vegas. Like, I think they're in Las Vegas for the. You're right. It was in Vegas. It was in yeah. Vegas. You're correct. Jazz media day is in Vegas, so they're in Vegas for for media day. She covers that. And people get online and are like, that really sucks. We were hoping you'd be at the game tonight. She jumped from media day, flew to Boston, drove <laughs> to the Mohegan Sun Arena uh, to cover the Connecticut Sun-Chicago game. If you aren't online giving Holly her flowers, please do so. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely insane. I don't know why I'm saying that now. I just was remembering like, oh, at some point I wanted to call that out. Because that's like the craziest thing I've ever heard. She just got that broadcasting slot with the jazz, which right. is Utah's where I'm not even a jazz fan, but as a Utah, I'm very excited to have her board um, the, the soon to be owner of the next Utah WNBA team, Holly row. So <laughs> it, it's sort of, it's sort of uh apropos though, because the first half of our episode is more or less Connecticut centered <laughs> in some format or fashion. Before we talk games, we have to talk uh, how, everyone's w- wondering if Connecticut's going to stand up to the hype and bring in team hardware. Well, they brought in all the personal hardware today. Three yes. individual season awards were announced. Each one awarded to a member of the Connecticut sun. Most improved player goes to Brianna Jones. Uh, Kurt Miller receives his second coach of the year award and John Quell Jones, uh, with, uh, with this year's 2021. Well, this year is 2021, the 2021 WNBA <laughs> MVP. My I guess my first question, Kyle, did any of these surprise you in any way?
1: Um I, I can't say that I was surprised when they were announced. Um I think that uh I think there were some other coaches and some other players that could have potentially won some of these awards, but I was not surprised when they when they won. Um I think a lot of people thought that Marina Mabry um was potentially in that conversation for most improved player um, i know that uh you know some people had a couple other uh people for mvp brittany griner received uh one first place vote um but uh pretty much other than other than that like it was it was really solid and to be fair when we did our midseason awards i think uh, Kurt Miller was being mentioned, but everybody expected that the second half of the year, the sun probably wouldn't be quite as hot as they were at the first of the year. And mm-hmm. then they just didn't lose a game. Um, spoiler alert until tonight, but, um, they just literally didn't lose a game <laughs> in the whole back half of the season. So, uh, he was being talked about mid season. And of course, when you don't lose the rest of the way, hard to take it away from them. So. Um he received 41 of 49 votes, which I think is pretty impressive. Um But yeah. yeah.
2: I, I don't have anything to take away from Kurt Miller at all. I think it does make a lot of sense in terms of how the, the season panned out at the end in a lot of ways. Of course, Jonquil made a lot of sense to me in terms of she was the driving force behind the best team in the league. That made a lot of sense. It's also just really kind of it's just really cool. There's something about it that this is such a different flavor than what we're used to uh, with the MVP, which sometimes comes down to who's the best performing star. And I mean, like, quote unquote, like mainstream, you know, who's who's that player that a lot of people recognize. And a lot of people outside looking in may not know who John Cole Jones is. And I'm hoping that this award changes that a ton. Yeah. Because um, just all around one of the best personalities in the entire league, I had the... Uh, I had the cool uh, opportunity to chat with her just a little bit during the 2019 all-star weekend. And if you haven't met or been around or heard stories about John just, just like absolutely fantastic human, just so much fun to be around. Made me feel like a friend uh, for like the two minutes I got to talk to her. Um, And that's on top of the fact that she just had a monster year and keep in mind left for six games, uh, to win a title over, or, you know, to play for a title overseas, dropped six double doubles while doing that. Came back and kept crushing. I, I mean, the the story behind that was huge. Brianna is interesting. I mean, Mar- Mabry was was in my purview, but I see where Brianna Jones goes. Going from what she was contributing down to being an all star, and then I think with with Jones as well. As, after watching her tonight, I'm like, okay, I see why that award probably went to her, um, because she she very nearly seals that game for her for Connecticut at 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 a certain point. Very huge. Kurt was only surprising in that. I always kind of glance at standings and I go, who's the team? Like, you know, what's, what's the coaching situation that created the team that surprises me the most. And Connecticut for everything they did, maybe a lot of people didn't have them slotted in the number one position, but I could have been talked out of that Minnesota's rise to three in such, you know, with their, their single elimination game, um notwithstanding their rise to that position. So much of that to me was Cheryl Reeve. And that's kind of why, like I, I leaned into that going, I, I felt like that was the potential move. And um, and I think she took th- the that's second not to take place, away from right? Kurt yeah. At all. Yeah. And that's not to take away from Kurt at all. I think, this is a case where I felt like with all these awards they knew they could sort of safely do it. I mean, we're talking about a Connecticut Sun team that more or less pretty comfortably pulled in a top seed um when it was a very tight race at the start of the second half of the season and they pretty well pulled away pretty well. It's I so yeah, I mean, I I have no qualms with that. Though it did make the narrative of tonight interesting because you have the odds on favorite coming into this playoffs, number one team, a 14 game winning streak. You have, uh, they bring in all the hardware. They've got a big home game against a Chicago team that may very well have been over, you know, people, some can say overperforming in two single elimination games. And then you get the mix of what we got, which was a a pseudo underdog. If you want to call them that it's a, a team with, Candace Parker and Courtney Vandersloot and and (laughs) And, and that entire roster calling them underdogs, yeah, (laughs) calling coppers. It's really funny, but you have that that narrative meeting this favorite narrative, and you pretty much got exactly the type of storybook you would have written. I'm talking double OT Chicago winning one hundred one to ninety five. This was not a six point game. It was, but it wasn't. This uh, was a fantastic double OT game all over. Uh, the stat lines for teams. And that's, that's what's crazy about this, but I'm going to call it just the one stat line because there's a lot of others. I could, but by the end of, by the time this thing hit official zeros, it ended up being Courtney Vandersloot's night. She boasts the second all time triple double in WNBA playoff history. Uh, 2005, I believe Cheryl swoops was the other one. She breaks the single single game playoff game record for assist breaking Sue birds record. She, she got 18 on the night, 10 rebounds, 18 assists, 12 points, four steals, two blocks. All of those boards were defensive and they needed every last one of those stats by the end of these two overtimes. It was very indicative how important she was to this. Um, Kyle, talk about this basketball game. So much happened.
1: <laughs> um, Well, right out the gate, Chicago jumped on to Connecticut And went up by double digits pretty early in that first quarter. Um, Connecticut ended up, uh, coming back a little bit and making it tight by the end of the first quarter. But at one point, Chicago was up, I think, uh, 19 to 9 and like 22 to 11. So they were up by 10 and 11 points early on. Connecticut came back, made a, made a little bit more of a game of it. Um, and then from there, it was a, it was pretty well deadlocked. You'd have teams go on runs here and there, but by the end of each quarter, it was pretty much a generally a one possession game back and forth between these two teams. Um, so much so that, uh, we ended up getting some overtime. There were 14 lead changes and 15 ties. Um, for those of you not familiar with, uh, sports statistics, that's what we say. Uh, that is, that is what we call a lot. All right. That's a ton of lead changes and ties in a game yeah, uh, yeah. going back and forth. Like that, that's, that's almost unheard of numbers. I to
2: say it was, uh, when was it? I'm trying to look at the game cast, but I can't quite put the, put the numbers together. I think it was a couple of minutes into the second OT when, um, Chicago had, it was the first double, like two score lead since partway into the fourth. Yeah, (laughs) like that's like this was legitimately just a tight like a tight knit race all the way down. I mean, just every possession felt like the possession. Mm hmm. Um, And it was absolutely huge.
1: It was it was it was a big time game from from and from a lot of individual performances as well. You mentioned Courtney Vandersloot, who had arguably one of the most impressive stat lines that you're ever going to see in a playoff game. Only the second triple double ever. In WNBA playoff history, uh, the first being Cheryl Swoops. So that's pretty good company for Vandersloot to be in. And uh, Swoops had a triple double of 14 points, 10 boards, 10 assists. Uh, Sloot didn't quite get as many points. She only had 12 points. She also had 10 boards. But instead of 10 assists, she also like, set a she record.
2: Breaks she had the assist record.
1: 18 yeah. assists. She breaks and, the WNBA playoff and I record feel for assisting a of that,
2: game. All of that shields away from. Getting four steals and two blocks, Courtney vandersloot, and I wanted you to know this I'm not a tall person. I happen to be slightly taller than Courtney vandersloot. <laughs> that is not me boasting anything. I'm not an impressive looking person she's an extremely impressive looking person because she's an athletic freak, two blocks on the night uh against one of the taller teams in the entire league, the Connecticut Sun with four steals. I mean, everything she put together. I mean, it, it really just uh, her presence and that's with only shooting four for 11 from the field. She yeah. didn't attempt a three all night. Um, And so it was, yeah, it was really one of those notes of, I think you really saw, which by the way, 44 minutes too. I think she led her team in minutes. Yeah, she did. The minute structure is funny because it's, it, it had two overtimes, but you look at those numbers <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> what are we going to watch? I think it was I think it was Rebecca Lobo who was like, "It's going to be like fifty four to fifty six on Thursday." <laughs> They're going to be uh, so like are going to be like walking up and down the court uh, with all the. I mean, we're tired and we just watched the thing. Um, but no, I I love this game and it was really interesting because this was a, a Connecticut team. I mean, you could you could pinpoint their night to rust a little bit if you really wanted to. You had three players with double doubles. Yeah, Bonner and both Joneses uh, pull in ten. <laughs> Two you know, of the three digit Technically, rebounds. Stephanie didn't Two get of the, the three. Game. Sorry. <laughs> Come on, Steph, do your thing. Coach's decision, Convi- persuasion. Get in there and <laughs> we need a double double ten from you rebounds too. like you're supposed to. So you had you had uh, you know Brianna Junkwell and Duana Bonner. So each have double digit rebounds. Junkwell had eleven. She added a little extra flavor there. Um, Brianna Jones had four steals on the night. By the way, same three players each had two blocks. Mm-hmm. Like it, they all put in a lot of their effort. There's only one stat line to me that spoke loudly. If you want to go by the stat line and it was the assists. Yeah. They, the, Courtney Vanderstude out assisted the Connecticut sun. Yes. Uh, the sun had 17 moves, which to me is not very indicative of that squad. They usually move the ball extremely well. And I think it was indicative to what as I was watching and not looking at the stat line was what was concerning me, which was it just felt like their rotations were like a step to two steps slower than they're used to. And I think you might be able to call that off on having a nine day layover um, or not expecting a Chicago team that has the stretch capabilities that they do. So they needed to make adjustments where... Even for forcing two overtimes there, you tell me if I'm wrong, and I know that our live chat on Twitch will tell me if I'm wrong. There was a sluggishness there. Can you chalk all that down to nine days off, or was there something else contributing to it? I
1: I think a good portion of it is that. I think you get get so hyped for the end of the season. You get excited for the playoffs. And sometimes when you haven't played in it, you kind of – You come out and your body's just not synced up with your with your mindset. I think mindset wise, Connecticut was was fine. It just didn't seem like they had made that connection to physically what a playoff basketball game is. Now, anybody who's played in a playoff type format knows that the the pace generally comes out a little bit frantic, and that seemed to be the case here in the first quarter. And Chicago had been used to that over the last couple of games. Connecticut wasn't came out and struggled uh out the gate and then obviously made it a game as, as things continued. But I do think that there was a little bit of rust shooting wise. Connecticut did not shoot well at all. Um Shooting 38, less than 38% from the field and less than 30% from three. That's just a, yeah. a poor performance. They were outshot in every, single category by Chicago. Chicago went, you know, nearly 50% from the floor, 37% from three and, and over 80% from the, from the line. They shot a lot better. And that was the difference in this game. Connecticut didn't uh, shoot. Well, that's it.
2: Connecticut had, uh, 10 more trips to the free throw line than Chicago Mm -hmm. and only a plus five in, in points from the line. Um, that's how poorly they were shooting at lead just from the free throw line. And then you look at, yeah, not even breaking the 30 mark from three is huge. So when I said only assists, I think there are a lot of concerns there. But they, I think their efficiency picked up pretty heavily toward the later points of the game. I think that was evident in a lot of cases. Um But that's my question is we talk about that. Sl- it, 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 I guess it comes down to the ultimate question of, If I'm a Connecticut Sun fan, like, do I have cause to be worried? Because there's two cases to this. They've, they've got their licks in because they've finished this 10-9 day layoff. They got through game one. Um, I believe they'll be staying home for game two because I think it's a 2-2-1 structure is how it is. And Mm -hmm. someone can tell me if I'm wrong. So they'll be staying at home. They're coming back Thursday. You have a lot of reason to believe that this will be remedied. That said, this is the sneakiest succeed at, 500 that's possibly ever existed. <laughs> it's true. Uh, Cuz like it's like they're just finding their mojo.
1: If you look at how if you look at Chicago all season long we're like they're better than this. They're better than this. We kept saying it over and over and all season long and Chicago fans have called us out on Twitter constantly since this playoff run happened because we were like they're so inconsistent. They don't have it figured out and they we've we had throughout the end of the season, we said this was a disappointing season for the Chicago sky. This is not what we anticipated. We anticipated them to be a top two or three team in the league, and they look barely good enough to make the playoffs right now. Like they did not look good. Um, And here they are hitting a stretch in the, in the playoffs where for years we've said Chicago's one play, one player away from being a true like title favorite. And then they add Candace Parker, so, like, they should be. The- oh, and then they kind of develop their own one player away in Kalia Copper. And they're like, hey, how about we just add two to the already stacked roster that we have? And then mm-hmm. we were disappointed. However, playoffs roll around and boom, they on paper, if you just look, if you just stack roster against roster with anybody in this league, Chicago looks like they can go to toe to toe with every single team in the league. And they're showing that in the playoffs. Mm
2: mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, you know, obviously this is uh, the time of year where players like Candace Parker find a gear that most, you know, a lot of players just don't have. Right. Um, you know, Candace Parker is averaging mid twenties in minutes all season, then dropping 39. I don't know that it was showing that heavily until the overtimes hit. And then you (laughs) could definitely tell like, yeah, this one's, this one's getting to you. Like lots of, lots of ice and Advil after this one. Um, but I think it, you know, that's kind of the, the end of it is the way I watched this matchup was it's a, it took, you know, a nine day layover plus Chicago playing this well is, is what contributed to, the, to forcing two overtimes to get this victory. Um, so if I'm Connecticut, I'm not nervous at all. What I'm not doing is just brushing this thing away. No, because there are certain things that if I'm Kurt Miller, I go.
1: We like hell, am it. I
2: just going to let our shooting efficiency slip? Like hell, am I just going to let our inability to move the ball effectively slip? We we have to make sure that that's locked down, and it does not matter what we've done all season. It, it only matters what we do on Thursday. True. So I would hope in effect to 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 lock that one down. Um, do we want to make predictions on Thursday, or do we want to just move on forward? What do you want? Um, how do you want to tackle this?
1: No, I think I'm going to just stick with my prediction that I made beforehand, and and just kind of call that forward. I think that uh, I I thought that Chicago would come out win Game One, and then Connecticut would sweep. So I'm not going to make a prediction for Game Two because I don't know if we're going to be able to do this every single game. We're hoping that's our plan, but we'll see. Life happens. Um, but yeah, I, as far as I, I think Connecticut's going to write the ship, I'll just say that.
2: Yeah, that's that's how I feel about it. I, I would still anticipate them to take the series. That said, Chicago stole, you know, stole the the home, the classic home advantage. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's
1: moving forward. They've got home just,
2: court advantage. Yeah, that's how it works. So, uh, um, you know, it's going to be you go for it.
1: Sorry. So, I, just, I just barely noticed this as uh, <laughs> and I and I, I don't want to transition the next game without pointing this out. There's five major categories in statistics, right? Points, rebounds, assists, steals, block shots. Of those five major categories, Courtney Vandersloot led her team in four of those. You're right. Yeah, You heard right. She led her team in blocked shots. The point guard did. I've <laughs> and only, in rebounds. Like, I've like, only that's heard wild. of that
2: happening in basketball one other time. Yeah,
1: like that's nuts to me.
2: Yeah, and I mean this is this is not even <laughs> WNBA, it's MNBA, but I legitimately the only example of that that I can think of is game 7 of the 2000 Western Conference Finals and I'm not just bringing this up to piss off Logan, but <laughs> I remember that night Kobe Bryant was just shy of of in points, but he led the team in I believe it was rebounds, assists, steals, and blocks. <laughs> That's wild. And then he was like a couple points, Shyak, and it's, it's it's like that type of game. And then this, I mean, everything about her performance and and uh, what made it more spellbinding was as you watched those overtimes progress, her presence was so pivotal. Yes, throughout the passing and, that she she, yeah.
1: she she could thread a ball through like places that it shouldn't be able to go to get to a wide open shot to get to a, a layup like she just is a magician with the basketball and uh, her she, counterpart the counterpart jasmine thomas had for the point the point guard for the sun really struggled tonight and uh, that's not going to yeah. continue trust me jasmine thomas if you know connecticut fans and WNBA fans in general should know jasmine thomas is not going to have as poor of a game moving forward as she did tonight. She she played really 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 poorly and uh that was the uh, that was the major swing difference was the point guard play between these two teams.
2: Yep, exactly. I think um we may see a different narrative, but I don't know that that guarantees Connecticut anything. Chicago is not going to be an easy W at any point during the series. Right. And 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 if you're a WBA fan, that's all you could ask for. I. Uh, I so all you badly could ask for is for every to be series. extremely yeah. difficult. Yeah. <laughs> the Vegas Aces hosting the Phoenix Mercury. First question: Before we jump into anything, Kyle, I, this hit me today. Is this the highest Fahrenheit temperature per <laughs> game up. in the history of <laughs> any sports playoffs matchup ever?
1: When you gotta f- have Las Vegas and Phoenix facing off, I don't know. Is uh, is it was has there ever been like a Phoenix Houston? potential yeah, like you know like like maybe there's has Houston got to be Texas, close yeah like
2: sweltering <laughs> those are pretty close but like california is going to be down like the coasts are always going to be down a little bit right
1: you know these are hot, desert but they're not going to be these are the desert desert, of desert teams yeah
2: yeah it is just it's so interesting and i think uh <laughs> it the brand of basketball that we saw in my head i'm almost like this weirdly feels like it contributes to it like it's just <laughs> they're just like if we keep moving we don't notice the heat or something um <laughs> but phoenix or uh, vegas pulls off the game 1 victory 96-90 um this was going a lot phoenix's way for a good chunk of the first half um as vegas pulled ahead it was close throughout the night but it felt fairly comfortable but there was i think a lot to especially dive into but this was another game of I'm not going to say, like, surprise, but just your unspoken heroes. Raquan Williams, Kelsey Plum, just both deciding they were going to equally have monster nights, 25 and 26 points respectively, um, playing with their, you know, their heads completely locked down, their ears perked up, ready to do whatever they need to get a victory. Chelsea Gray going 17 and 12. Um, you had a couple minutes worth of of Cambage Griner. And I just <laughs> I pray to the very heavens that we get so many more minutes of this. It's the the main reason I want this to be a five game series is the hope that we see these two match up again because we got it for a few minutes and it was delightful. My favorite
1: exchange of the night. My favorite moment, and there was many moments between both of these games, but in a in in a night where we had two intense basketball games that I'm excited that are, are series now. You know, we had overtime, we had missed free throws, we had, you know, last second shots, we had all kinds of stuff. My favorite moment all night long was uh, Griner's wide open for a three at the top of the key, pulls up, looks good, just just a little bit off and misses that three-pointer. Now when we got introduced to the league we actually had a front row seat to sit on the phoenix mercury benchering shoot around and griner can shoot threes just so everybody knows phoenix fans should not get worried when griner has a wide open look at three she she has a great shot um she missed it and right down the court liz cambage gets it also pretty much at the top of the key and launches her own three, two of the tallest players in WNBA history it. launching back to back threes and just drains it. And
2: then comes back gorgeous. down the court, like a and, gorgeous jumper.
1: And the two of them, instead of like jawing and kind of, you know, like getting after each other, they just kind of smiled at each other and kind of like bumped into each other. Like, Hey, that was good. You know, like, like Griner enjoyed the fact that Cam Beige came down and launched a three in her face, you know, like it was, and she was kind of like, Hey, Way to rep for the wait rep for the for the tall you know the the tall women here to to drain that so I loved it I thought it was great
2: I love that and it's funny that you brought that up because I think before that sequence too Griner hit like a eighteen footer yeah that was like beautiful like a beautiful release tickled the net it was just like, like I always forget that she has that jumper in her arsenal because he's usually not called on for that and it was so funny that. Whenever these two match up, it's exciting because you, in your head, you're like, you get a chance to watch these two battle it out under the basket, uh, you know, throw some muscle together. You know, it, it's always a good time. And they had a, sh- they had a shootout. It was just, of course they did. It just was one of those <laughs> things of, this was definitely what was always going to happen. We just uh, didn't decided not to pay attention to that fact. Um, but hopefully as you know, Liz continues to get her wind back in her uh we can hopefully see some increased minutes from her because she's still coming off of COVID scares and, and everything with her health. So hopefully that manifests itself into something positive for her. Cause I'm I definitely think Vegas, even with the win, is is definitely hoping to see more, more of beige. her on the uh yeah yeah yeah. Um yeah, more more of her on the court. So I, I this is a weird question, but I, I, just the, w- this is how I'm gonna post it because it's so much fun to talk about both of these. Was Raquana or Plum's performance more impressive to you? Ooh, that's tough. Um,
1: ooh, that's a really hard question, actually. Um, Raquana, I, 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 I want to lean Raquana because she came out and really, like from the get go, was mm-hmm. kind of the scoring threat. I think that. Um, you know, the concern that Connecticut had with coming out really flat and getting behind early and then having to kind of play from behind and cat and playing some catch up. Um, you never want to be in that situation And Las Vegas came out and particularly, uh, Williams came out and just kind of lit it up. I think she had 17, like partway through the second or maybe even before that. Um, she came out shooting really well and, and kind of was that offensive spark that Las Vegas needed um, because you've got Cambage Hamby and plum all coming off the bench. And so you need a really solid offensive spark. Um, Jackie young. We've seen it from her at times. Other times it's not there. Uh, Stokes, didn't do hardly anything. She only had one attempt from the field at all tonight. Chelsea gray. We generally see more of a distributing role than a scoring role. So it's really boils down to Asia and Raquana and Raquana stepped up Mm -hmm. and and was a big, huge push into that. Now, obviously as the game progressed, Kelsey plum came along and, and had a lot to say uh, about her performance. But I think initially, if it wasn't for that Raquana, um, you know, barrage of scoring early on Las Vegas could have found themselves in, in a a pretty deep hole. And this Phoenix Mercury team is not the team that you want to have to try to dig out of a hole against.
2: Yeah. They almost, it almost was a tale of two halves. Like they almost kind of traded Mm -hmm. uh, that mojo, uh, part way in, and then and Plum took over for a while. Their stat lines are eerily, like creepily similar. Yeah. <laughs> uh, as you, because I'm looking like where does it stand out? And I'm like, I guess Plum had two less turnovers. Like otherwise, yeah. it's it's awkward. Like the attempts, the makes and attempts across the shooting floor are are pretty similar. They both have one steal. Like it's one of those things of, uh, things are pretty consistent as far as that was headed. I think where Kelsey. Stood out in my head was her performance was definitely indicative to helping Vegas pull away with this one, right um, down the stretch. Because, yeah, because Phoenix was able to respond to what Raquana was putting down early on. Down the stretch, Plum's performance and and mainly her ability to frustrate that Phoenix backcourt uh, was huge in Vegas's need because there's something there's an interesting gear that Kelsey Plum has. Where she can play angry, or at least play what I'd call pesky, she where she can just really get drive her way under the skin of some players, Uh and you you see that very evident at times, and and it forces players to make mistakes, to play off inconsistency a little bit. And know, she's really, uh, it, it, you know, it, it can be honestly really fun to watch as a fan. Um, but that's where I lean to it. But I mean, this was definitely an interesting night because, and and we act like. you know, they were making up for some poor performance from Asia Wilson who dropped 15 and nine in her own right. I'm not going to stand here for a second and say Asia Wilson didn't have a good basketball game. That would be ridiculous. (laughs) Chelsea Gray had 17 and 12. Uh, Like there were definitely contributors across, but if, if, if Williams doesn't come in hot, if plum doesn't come into the second half completely with their head down, this is a potentially totally different result. And we're looking at, a really interesting series. So I I think a lot of credit goes over their way.
1: What I love between these two teams is the difference in bench play for tonight. You know, you had, like I mentioned with Las Vegas, Liz, uh, Hamby plum all coming off the bench tonight, which generally isn't always the case. Uh, A lot of times we do see Hamby off the bench, obviously. Um, but the difference between those coming off the bench and then you come to the, to the mercury and really the, the players that got much, uh, much time out of, of Phoenix were uh Kia Vaughn, Shea Petty, and Sophie Cunningham. Um, and of those, didn't get a whole lot of production. Vaughn probably had the best game. Um But you look at the starters for Phoenix, and that's where a starting five... Phoenix might have the best starting five in basketball right now. Nurse, Brianna Turner, Brittany Griner, Skylar Digginsmith, and Diana Taurasi. Like, that is a strong starting five. Um, mm-hmm. Vegas, their strength came off the bench. Vegas is a little bit deeper team.
2: And the and the slight. Their, cons- their bench has legs against a lot of starting five. Yes. <laughs> yes. Creep. Like, it's insane. Now.
1: Like on any other team in the league would be starting. Yeah. Literally every team in this league would start Hampi. Like, Every one of them.
2: If you're saying, especially tonight, like obviously things are flipped a little bit when Cambage is at full strength, but on a night like tonight, if you told me like you, you have a five on five coming up, we're giving you Hamby, Cambage, uh, Kelsey plum, and then we'll throw in Jisoo park and destiny Slocum. I, if I, I may not be a thousand percent confident, I'm going to be gangbusters, but I'm feeling all right with that. Like, mm-hmm. all right, that's a pretty suck. I can do stuff with this. Uh, and so like their depth really spoke to it. It was really interesting because that may have been a lot of the story for the Mercury, because a lot of those role players who really have helped both things up for Phoenix, we didn't really see much out of them. Uh, You know, you know, we, we, you know, we really didn't see a ton of them outside of Cunningham had 16 minutes, but in that only going one for one for four, um, Vaughn did all right with six points, but like Shea Petty's struggles are still showing off. Um, Obviously we haven't seen a lot of Hartley at all. And so it's, it feels like they need to reestablish that rhythm there and find that role, you know, that role piece that's going to mean something for them. But I mean, all of their starters are in double figures. Yeah. Uh, So there's something playing there. I, it'll be very interesting to see, How they establish and turn things around. I obviously would like to see a lot more out of Skylar Diggins Smith. That was probably the one piece, at least in their starting five that I went, that there needs to be some increased efficiency on that end. Granted, she was leaned on heavily a lot more with DT out of the, you know, not on the roster. So it'll be an, I was going to say, she did play
1: in those two elimination
2: games, you know, you saw a lot more out of her. You know what? We could take a couple of those fourteen attempts from behind the arc from DT and hand them over to Sky. I think that's, <laughs> I think that's doable. For, to fourteen do a couple, attempts. Oh a my couple goodness! Of them. She was four for fourteen on the night. I think we can hand a couple of those over. Um, <laughs> and obviously, like a part of that is D's just trying to get her her legs back under her. Right. So I'm not trying to call. But for goodness' sake, am I not calling out Diana Taurasi? <laughs> um, I care about my well, my personal well-being. No, the lady later, you, me. you saw her as she was chewing out refs, literally walking down the length of the court, <laughs> still not, not turning her head, just still jabbing. Like, um, so this will be a more interesting one because I think this is a case of uh, obviously Vegas took care of what they needed to. Is this indicative to what we're going to see? Or does Phoenix have the recipe to make some adjustments to make this work? because they have players who have been key points to very pivotal victories for this team over the season. Um, But they kind of fell out of gas yeah. against the Vegas team that wasn't really playing their best basketball.
1: No. And so, yeah, this is this Phoenix Mercury team. Scary. Good. They've got a lot of momentum. Um, they're, they're really, really good. I expect this to be a really solid series. Um, Las Vegas does have the horses to sweep Phoenix. Now, Phoenix has the horses to make it a series and to, to come out with a W. Las Vegas, everybody's got to remember a lot. This is a Las Vegas squad that even without Angel McCaughtry, many were saying is the number one team in the league. You know, like this is, this is an extremely deep and talented roster. Rekona Williams and and Chelsea Gray hopping onto this squad that was already stacked is is just a cheat code. Um, Vegas is very, very good. And I think people, because of the storyline of the Connecticut sun and because of what we're seeing from Chicago right now and Phoenix, you know, being who they are, like, I think people forgot about the aces. We talked more about the aces last year than we did this year. And, uh, and last year it was kind of obvious to everybody that Seattle was the best team in the league. Las Vegas is an extremely good team, might be a title favorite, uh, you know, heading in after tonight. I think that they, they look as strong as anybody and, um, I'm really excited to see what Las Vegas has to do the rest of the the rest of the way. Now, that's not an indictment at all on Phoenix. Obviously, Phoenix is phenomenal. They've played great. They've got you know several Hall of future Hall of Famers on their roster. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think this is going to be a really interesting series moving forward.
2: If Phoenix can find a way to steal this second game, and I think that there's potential to see that happen if they play. At a level, say, we saw um, against Seattle, there's high potential to say that it's a very interesting series because if there's there, there's few teams that are scary to deal with on the road than than Phoenix. Now, granted, it's this it's a Phoenix team that has to play at ASU and Grand Canyon University and Mesa Community College <laughs> and any other yes. bullshit arena, because for some reason, the the their ownership organization seems to value Disney on ice more than uh, their own organization. I'm cutting that comment off here or we're going to go another hour. I was like livid when I was reading about that. Um, So maybe it's a different thing, but that said like their home game in the single elimination was at Grand Canyon university and it was a stuffed house. That was louder. It was loud as any X factor crowd as you've heard. Right. So what do I know? And that's without, you know, uh friend of the show Rachel Aureling and Chris Hero uh a part of the crew we got if if they go deep into a playoff run we got to find a way to get them to a game but for that's sure a story. um that all said um i really think that Moralist covers it you know it's it's very much up in the air but it's one of those cases of i think that this is going to be a fun set of matchups throughout the series i wouldn't be shocked if this is one that's going to be within this many points for the lot of it Cause it's just going to be a tough L, but um, any other thoughts about this series or no, I, first I, I, nights I think in general? we've,
1: we've pretty well covered it, man. I I'm excited yeah. to see, I'm excited to see game two Thursday night, everybody Thursday night, uh, September 30th, Chicago, Connecticut is going to be playing at 8 PM Eastern on ESPN Uh that same night. Similar to uh, Tuesday night, uh, Phoenix is playing Las Vegas at 10 p.m. Eastern on ESPN2. We've got another double header, um for everybody to check out Thursday night. Basically, copy and paste uh, your plans from Tuesday night and make them
2: Thursday. And uh, and, and, and let's party. Yeah. And to close this out, we started this off with Holly Rowe. I'm going to close it out with the Holly Rowe comment. ESPN, could you try to get yourself together just a tiny little bit? She was in Vegas. And this just hit me. She was, she was in the city that there was a WNBA playoff game. I understand that she normally is with Ryan and Rebecca Lobo, but they could have done a switcheroo for one evening. So she didn't have to fly. for all I know, just knowing how women in sports are treated and knowing how Holly Rowe is uh, just a monster in her own right is she probably paid for that ticket herself. For all I know, she might've flown the plane. Like for all I know, like it's, like, and and she probably is saying she doesn't mind it. That's a part of the grind. But I'm saying, can we give a little respect to these people? Not a lot of people are able to pull off what she did, flying cross country to make it in time to cover another freaking game. Um, while she's having to deal with whoever on the Jazz is anti-vax for some reason. I By the way, that's not me causing rumors. I don't know if anyone on the Jazz is, but it just feels like that's the narrative of the MNBA media stuff right now. Uh, like... Let her, let her cover a They're game actually 100 the vaccinated. Just that's yeah. that's good. <laughs> I, I wasn't trying to make an indictment. I'm just saying, like, media days. The media day thing has been a circus. It's been really strange. And on top of that, I've got to catch a plane so I can get in Boston. And just heaven help me. Hope. Thank goodness you didn't take Frontier. You wouldn't make it to Boston until Christmas. Um, yeah. This is just I. That was just me ranting and saying just respect your broadcast personnel a little bit better and all that good stuff. That said, um, thank you so much for joining in this. We're going to try and cover essentially every night we have playoff basketball going on. We'll do our best. If we're not able to hit that, we apologize for that. That said, if you do want to stay connected with what we're doing as always, we're at WNBA nation pod on Twitter, likewise over on Facebook. If you're listening on a platform that has a review system, we'd love a five-star review and some comments. Let us know what you enjoy about the show. And as always, if you're looking for a little extra love, you can check us out on the Twitch live. We usually tweet out when we're doing our streams uh, for the the WNBA structure. It'll generally be right after games. end. we'll let you know on Twitter, if things will change. Um, but great way to interact, great way to get a little extra bonus content before we officially hit record on the show. If you want some fantastic merch, head over to our store StoryMB page. We've got some pretty cool shirts, uh, that we've had over the last couple of months that people are, that people are picking up and I'm, I'm excited about. I have one that I love, that I wear. It's not this one, but I'll probably wear that one on Thursday. And if you haven't seen it, you'll like it. Um, and that'll be a lot of it. Any other shout outs, Kyle, that you can think of? No, that's, that's pretty well it. Perfect. Well, we have got a second slew of games for the semifinals, more games to follow, then we'll have a finals, and then we'll crown a champion, and then it's everything else until eternity. But until all, of then thank you so much for joining us for this playoff edition of WNBA Nation. I'm Steve Schwartzman. I'm Kyle Haywood, and we got you next time.